Welcome to another tantalizing episode of Late and Disorganized. As you listen to me go about life journeys in my vehicle or at my home while I am bored, more than likely when I'm driving for work-related issues. And it happens to be one of these days. Not one of these days. I basically drive from point to point for my job, which is a part of what this episode is going to be about. Wanted to share with you guys my journey and trying to redefine myself and my aspirations in my career. As I've mentioned before in prior episodes, my um, initial career was telecommunications. I was a, I started elsewhere, but I I ended up with a company for uh, 15 years. I started off as a uh, installer and work my way up to uh, systems operations tech. I started off that job in 2005 making $12 an hour, which at that time was, I, I think, $5 more than minimum wage. And I was young, so that was good with me. And I, I in 15 years, made it up to 25 which probably should have been more but still was more than enough for about a time I I stopped working there in 2019 where I just crashed out man that job was frustrating it uh was time consuming it was grueling it just sucked the fun of life out of me from It's one of those middle of the road jobs where, you know, you have the lower level that primarily deal with customers. You have the upper level, which primarily deal with uh, the people who deal with the customers and then you got management and all that stuff. This job was like middle of the road where you, you were getting it from both sides. You had real life people going through things that you had to see them day day after day because it was an ongoing issue and then you also had to navigate all the bs that comes working in the office where people are just stabbing each other in the back and playing all these dumb games and it's like you know we aren't splitting atoms we work for a fucking cable company why does everything have to be so damn difficult like and I, i always attribute it to people who like who, who work office jobs who don't have enough time on their hands and aren't occupied with actual work that's how they entertain themselves through the day is all that other bs like um the whole uh reality of there being a certain way that you talk to each other through email it's like grow the fuck up i don't know so I was working that uh, that job for 15 years and I, I burnt out and I ended up uh, leaving. But when I left, I it basically one night when I was at work, 
I called my uh, supervisor and I told my supervisor, not my supervisor, told my lead tech I quit. And my lead tech was like, kind of surprised. Tried to talk me out of it. And I was like, nah, brother, I quit. And he was like, all right, man, it's been nice knowing you and all that. So I'm, I'm driving home because I was on call. I'm driving, matter of fact, I wasn't even driving home. I had my uh, truck because I was on call. I was driving back to the office to uh, t- turn the truck in and then I was gonna get my car to go home. It was like 11 o'clock at night. And as I'm driving, I get a call from my um, supervisor saying, hey, you know, the lead just said that you, you, that you quit. I was like, yeah, man, I quit. I can't, I can't do this shit no more. He was like, man, don't, don't, don't say that you quit. Just like go home. Don't worry about any more calls tonight. Go home and just come back in the morning and, and talk to me. So I was like, you know, I do want to quit, but maybe I'm jumping the gun. Let me see what this guy has to say. Maybe, you know, I'm just like wilding because I'm tired and stressed out. So I get back to the office in the morning and he was like, dude, you don't got to quit. What we going to do is we're going to set you up with FMLA. It's going to allow you to take time away from work. And, you know, uh, it was short term. It, it could have been short term disability. I forget which one it was. Uh, if I was even getting paid, I think I was getting paid still. But uh, he was like, you're going to take time off work and uh you know, get your mind right. So I said, bet that's what I'm, that's what I'm gonna do. You know, I, I may be stressed out. I may, I may be wilding. I'm not in the right mind. Let me get my mind right in and see what I want to do. So when I didn't have to wake up every day and go to work and at night I didn't stress because I was worried about getting the call from dispatch or the, uh, the network operations center for an outage. I just realized how much better my mind state was. I realized how much happier I was not doing that job. And and while I was out, I realized that I don't want to go back. So time went by, I think about two months went by, two or three months. And they were trying to get the paperwork right to get to bring me back, but something wasn't up with the paperwork. And of course, because of bills, there's, there's a stress to go back. But at the same time, I don't want to fucking go back. So I'm still, I'm starting to get anxiety from just the thought of going back to doing this shit. So I just decided that I don't want to fucking go back. So some shit happened with paperwork. And then they called me one day. The HR lady called me. The one who was like, oh, if you ever need help. Just give me a call and all of this shit, all, all the shit that HR do. When them motherfuckers was like, we letting you go, it's like, yeah, this relationship is over. She she wasn't even down for uh, uh to be a reference. It was like, nah, I can't do that. <laughs> but she called me to tell me that she was letting me go. I was like, you know, you can let me go. I already resigned basically. But then my supervisor jumped in to say, you know, goodbye. And I'm, I'm thinking to myself, why is he on the line? That's when I realized that they, they thought that they were gonna call and fire me 
and they probably spoke about it to where it felt like if I begged for my job, he would have gave it back depending on if, how I begged, which I was like, that's kind of funny. Like, you expect me to beg for that shit back? Like, I know why I left. So when I left, when, when I wasn't working in anymore, I had to think about what well, what do I want to do? I don't, I don't want to do telecommunications anymore because I just can't with that shit. That's when I say, you know, I go back to school, I get my degree in human services, and I, I work for a social services something like since that that was my passion when I was younger. So I went back to school. I say, you know, if I'm gonna go to school, I I, I, I gotta get a, a BS job that at least gives me time to go to school and pays the bill. So the first job that I applied for and got was with SafeLight, which is a, a glass repair company for automobiles. So when I, I, I went there, I put on a nice outfit, I go to the interview and they got dual interviews. Like they got a, a girl in there interviewing with me at the same time. And they just asking us questions back to back with all of the, the managers there. And I'm killing this shit. I'm killing this shit so bad that the, the girl, when it come her time to answer the questions, she's stuttering because the answers I'm giving is so professional. And you know, she she's trying to her best to relay the same thing, but she just ain't of that mindset, which ain't no uh, bad thing to her. It was just a, a bad luck of the draw that I got in there because I, I've been through so many interviews trying to move up in the company I just knew how to approach it so they called me and was like yo I'm gonna be real with you the other guys want to hire you but I don't want to hire you but I'm going to hire you and I'm like why he was like the way you you handled yourself in that interview I just got a feeling you ain't gonna stick around and I'm like, nah, I'm gonna stick around. I'm just good at interviews and all that. He was like, man, you just, you seem like you're too good to be here. For me, when he said that, I was, I probably would have been cool if he didn't say that. Cause it just was like, damn, that's a red flag right there. That's a bad red flag. So I go to the training and at the end of the day, first and foremost, the girl didn't get hired, which I kind of felt bad cause I felt like that was my fault. Cause she got paired up with me especially considering who was in that room when we got there when I got there like these weren't the most professional people so it probably did just make her look that much bad I mean that much worse so the, at the end of the day the first day of training they telling the guys who came like tomorrow before you come to work look in your look in the mirror and ask yourself is this a professional outfit to wear to my second day of training which was another red flag because it's like yo you hide these people how the fuck you gonna tell them how to dress like if they dressing like this on the first day of training they was probably like that when they came in for the interview but you still hired them. It's like, so So y'all basically was hiring anybody who came. That's when it was like a second red flag, which is why 
he mentioned that you're too good for this because it's like, yeah, we just hiring bodies. The third day there, I found out that one of the, the, the new guys was the son of the head manager. And the other managers was treating this kid like he was above them. Like they were scared of him. So they that's another red flag because the nepotism is there. It's like, that's going to be an issue. Then these guys start talking about don't listen to the the uh, other employees here that might be complaining or that are going to be complaining behind the warehouse. Another red flag. <laughs> and then they just went on and in training to tell us how the slightest mistake could lead to you getting the whole family killed. It was just like, wow, it's like this is the it's horrible training. I've been with a bad company long enough to know when there's a worse company. But I, I'm still like, I, I guess I got to do it, but I, I got to figure something out. I'm driving home from training one day and one of the other jobs that I called and I applied for hit me up and was like, come in for an interview. You're going to get the job because I forget why you said it. He was like, but we got the, the interview was preliminary, You're gonna, you, but you're, gonna, you're definitely going to get hired. It was the, the work for the sign shop and a uh for the charleston county is the people who who put the signs out the street signs and you know stop and all of that shit i never did it before but i was like it's a government job i get to drive all around the place you know i don't gotta be at the same place you know i could start here i could i could it could turn to something i don't know but it's gonna it got everything i need yeah, I got to work 10 hours a day, but they offering, I think it was offering like 16, 50, something like that. So again, it meets, the, it meets the, 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 the bare minimum of what I need to pay bills. So I get hired there. Everything cool. Everything seemed okay. And then I started to notice that the way that they they talked to black employees was wild. Like they 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 had a it wasn't like out straight out racist. It was just like they talked to black employees like they was lesser than them or just didn't know as much. They had a main building they called the big house. It's where all the administrative workers work. Now the administrative workers made more than the field workers, so the administrative workers used to have this attitude when you came in there. Like you was like, like they were some house niggas or something. It was like it, if that place felt like a straight plantation. When, when sometimes when they used to talk to black people in a certain way, I used to get irritated because these people didn't stand up for themselves. When they tried to talk to me like that, it's like, nah, you ain't talking to me like that. I, I would check motherfuckers. And I look and everybody else is like looking at the ground, looking up at the sky, like, oh, you talking to boss like that. Like that shit did not sit well with me. I didn't like that environment. It was some straight up Southern plantation style attitude shit going on there. And of course it's Charleston County. So what, what, what should I expect? So I was like, you know what? I've tried to do this blue collar shit twice. I'm not feeling this shit. Let me go back into telecommunications. So I applied 
used to work at Comcast in the call center. Never did a call center job before, but I know cable, so it ain't, easy, it ain't hard for me to bullshit someone over the phone about some cable shit. So I applied and uh, got called in for an interview. I go there for the interview. There's like 20 people just sitting in the room because they're doing a mass interview today. Dressed nice as shit. Everyone dressed immaculate. The building is perfect. It looks like a palace inside there. They got a, uh, they had a gym. They had a lounge area. They had a cafeteria. The, the ceiling's high. I was like, shit, I could, I could fuck with coming here every day for work. So I go through the interview. And no, no, no. This here's what happened. I, they was in the room doing this whole big ass presentation about why is good to work at Comcast like and all the benefits you would get and all and I'm thinking to myself like you showing this video to us like we all got the job y'all even did the interview shit y'all y'all acting like we already got hired I thought that was weird and I guess I must have had that 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 look on my face because when it came time for everybody to leave the room and go to the individuals that was uh going to be interviewing them the head of HR who was holding the whole thing kept looking at me I was like I fucking bet money that when it comes time for them to say who I'm going to be interviewing with it's going to be him sure enough everybody else cleared out he's like and Zach you're going to be interviewing with me so I fucking knew it so I go through the interview and it's him and a sister like a, she fine fine sister fine professional sister I'm like alright so I can charm I feel, I feel more comfortable because it's a sister here so the whole interview, I'm trying my best to turn on some charm. Like this sister is straight face. She ain't making no expression. She barely saying shit. I just feel like I'm fucking bombing this shit. Cause it's like, she ain't impressed at all by nothing I say. At least the other guy was like, that's a good answer. And then she's just saying nothing. So, and I had, I had took a Red Bull. Uh, before interview so I could be wide awake and man I was so like jumpy man I was fucking <laughs> I was like that was a bad interview and at the end of the interview I was like let me try to salvage it because I noticed that the, the woman the sister was pregnant so as I'm getting up to leave because they about to walk me out the door I say to the sister you know good luck with the pregnancy she ain't say shit like oh shit is she pregnant <laughs> so they walking me her and him are walking me to the door and i'm like this this is this that this walk of death must be what they do for people they ain't gonna hire so i'm about to get uh at, they escort me all the way to the front and i'm about to leave and the security guard is like hey man what's your name again you tell him my name he was like i'll see you again i thought that was weird like because i felt like i wasn't gonna get that job i fucking got the job and i guess it was the security guard had seen their process of who they were going to hire. So when he seen them two walking with me, that must have signaled to him that they were going to hire me. So as soon as the, the uh, training start, they was like, you know, COVID had just started. So they was like, you're not, we're not training in the building. We're training, you're going to be doing your training from home. We're going to be working from home because, you know, COVID. 
which I was like, all right, cool. I, I, I can handle fucking training how to do this shit at home. That's cool. I don't got to get up early in the morning. I can just come here. And then, you know, when the training over, we come back to the building and all that. That's what's up. So we do the training. Training was cool. Uh, they had some cool women in there. A uh, couple of guys. The trainers were cool. The job, learning how to do the job put me to fucking sleep because their billing system was so complex and they had the most boring motherfucker in the world uh, trying to explain that shit. Finally figured out how to do it. They put us on the phone for brief moments. Like, the panic that you fucking feel was crazy. Like, this is a real person calling in about some shit that's concerning their money in their service and I barely understand what the fuck is going on there's a crazy panic that's going on in you but I eventually got it I got the hang of it and they had, they wanted us to make sales I was doing a good job I felt like I was doing a good job then they introduced this thing called the sentiment system which was this AI that would listen to every conversation and judge you and judge the call based on the sentiment of a call. So regardless of whether or not you were able to resolve the issue, whether or not you was able to sell a service, if the if the sentiment system said this was a bad call, it was a bad call. And I kept getting the low sentiment. And I was like, why the fuck am I getting the low sentiment? I'm doing the call flow. I'm doing everything you're supposed to do. And I end up getting a new supervisor. And I'm like, damn, man. I, they Damn, they already switching me to somebody else because I was fucking up. Come to find out the same chick that I said did the interview. It's my new supervisor. She was the one who wanted to hire me. <laughs> so even though she was stone-faced and all that shit, she didn't like me. She just, uh, she, she, I guess they was playing good cop, bad cop. I don't fucking know. But she my new supervisor. She cool. So I'm doing the job. My numbers is great. And she's starting to be, she like, man, I like the way you handle these customers. I got a role coming up because we, we, we just don't got enough supervisors. I, I want to see if I can have you handle some of these escalations because I like the way you are able to calm people down. But we got to get these sentiment numbers up and all of this shit. So she had me listen to two people that uh, had high sentiment. And I'm listening to their calls and their calls is essentially the same fucking call flow that I'm having. Same banter and all that shit. That's when I realized the sentiment is uh, keying on a speech pattern and a voice. So with the way I talk and the fact it's a male voice, it's just not, it's just feeling like I don't got no you know, I don't give a shit about people. I'm, I'm just resolving the issue, but I don't got no sentiment towards them, no empathy. And then they start saying that sentiment was going to be uh, key in whether or not you had a job. So I start feeling like, damn, these motherfuckers going to try to sneak me out the back door and I don't got nothing else backed up. I'm going to have to look for another job. I don't got no time for all that shit. So I started looking for another job because I already felt like I was going to be on the way out. And Comcast is actually a lot more disorganized than I thought it would be. Because for one, they closed the call center. It was going to be work from home permanently. For two, they would have 200 reps that 
or within the southeast all in one chat and like five supervisors so when you needed a supervisor for something you would have to enter the chat and tell a supervisor that you need something but the supervisors was started doing is like they would pick the easiest shit and then hope that someone else pick it up so now you need a supervisor for override or something like that or escalations and you gotta make conversation with someone for 20 minutes because they don't want you to put the people on hold. You gotta make conversations with someone for 20 minutes while they pissed off, hoping you're gonna get a supervisor to take this shit over. I was like, man, this is fucking wild, this is stupid. I get a call from T-Mobile. I was like, you know what? Let me try T-Mobile. I go to T-Mobile. Training kind of the same thing. I was gonna be at T-Mobile for tech support. So while I'm at T-Mobile for tech support, I'm going through training, their account system is fucking convoluted and crazy. We end up doing, it's 11 weeks of training, nine weeks we focused on account, just pure accounts, nothing technical. So all of a sudden we like, you know, train almost over can we get on some technical stuff? They gave us two weeks of technical and was like, whatever you don't pick up right now, before we even put you in a system, excuse me, before we even put you in the system to actually start working, you're gonna get some additional on-site training that's gonna, you know, catch you up to everything technical. So we like, all right, so we calm, we understand. We get to the on-site training and it's more shit on account come to find out they never did they never like had a technical class coming this was the first technical class so the reason why we did so much account training because that's the only training that they really knew how to fucking do so now we on the phones with people calling in with technical issues and we don't got no idea how to fix this shit no idea what routes you're supposed to take when certain shit happened and then they put you on a team of like 20 people. You're the only technical person. And when it was just like so fucking crazy, man, it was like it didn't make any sense. That That's when I realized you essentially just a body to answer the phone. They don't even care if you know what the fuck you're doing. Just answer the phone, man. <laughs> that's And that's why I realized that's what call centers kind of are. Oh, it's like if you do a good job, cool. At the end of the day, just be there to answer the phone. They're going to threaten you with all this and that. They ain't find nobody, man. Just be there to answer the phone. Which is cool, but I'm a type of person that if, I want, if I'm going to do a job, I want to know what the fuck I'm doing. I want to know how to fix shit. I want to know what the processes are. So waking up every day and hoping I don't get these fucking calls that are the calls, but I don't know what the hell I'm supposed to be doing stress me the fuck out I was like I don't I, I gotta find something else I'm trying to find that right fit but I, I just can't find that right fit and I'm starting to feel like there is no right fit there is no job that you can get that will meet what you want so just like think about what's the what's the least that I can get that I want and that's working outside I hate going to the same place every day so I applied to work for uh, the city of Charleston in the landscaping, uh, in the parks and recreation landscaping, because I was like, at the very least, I get to be outside and work downtown, which is my favorite part of town. 
So I get high, I apply and I get high there. And um, it was cool. My supervisor there, I met, well, I had a supervisor and the lead that I worked with. We all worked in the same truck. That was our team. The supervisor was cool. He used to be a, a, a member of a motorcycle club, a notorious motorcycle club, and he'd been in prison um, multiple times for extended period of times because he used to push weight and all that. The thing about it was that even though he was cool, any conversation we ever had, it always would round back up to him telling some of the most gruesome stories or prison stories, which is cool. I ain't judging you, but some days I'm trying to get my mind right. I'm trying to be positive. I don't want to hear about that shit. <laughs> so I used to be annoying sometimes like, damn, I don't want to hear about somebody getting shanked in the shower or, you know, all of that. But he was a cool person. The other guy, he was a lead. Uh, he reminded me of my father because he's pure Charleston, Charlestonian. He sound like my father from the, the the tone of his voice and the dialect. He reminded me of my father. And he knew so much about Charleston that I didn't know that he actually helped create in me a sense of respect for the city and the past. You know, I started asking a lot more questions. And he was a good storyteller. He was a real cool dude. Um, they they kind of got along like a married couple. The way they would argue was funny. But I, I worked there for a year. And it wasn't I wasn't getting paid much, but I was able to get off at three and really uh get my my, my classes down to I only got a few more to go. But because I wasn't getting paid much And what I thought was going to be me traveling around the city Ended up with me being stuck in a certain part of the city Going to the same four or five parks every day This shit was just boring and I wasn't getting paid much I was like, I, I, I know I don't want to do nothing too extensive But I at least want to be interested in what I'm doing So sometimes you got to have to realize what you want, I guess so I say, you know, let me, uh, I still want to work outside. I still want to do something with my hands where I can move around. I don't want to do no office work. I still want to do all that. Let me, um, find something in that, to that nature. I ended up finding the Charleston water system that I went to work for. Now, the thing about the Charleston water system is the job that I apply for the name of the job was hydrant maintenance operator. And I'm reading the description. I'm thinking like I get to drive around town. I'm painting hydrants. I'm checking water pressure. You know, just like it's, there's no rush. It's a, it's a tedious job, but, you know, it'll get you through the day. It's kind of interesting. You won't be on all these different neighborhoods, see a lot of different things. I get to go downtown. I get to choose where the fuck I'm going. You know, I, I thought that's what it would be. But at the same time, I'm at the point now where I've been to enough jobs to where I know the job description is not what the fuck you're going to be doing, which is the craziest thing. All these jobs talking about people don't want to work and they getting mad at people quitting. But for one, they post a job, don't put the salary, put down all of this shit that you're supposed to do. And most of it, you're not even going to be doing. 
It's like internet that they give it some convoluted title that you can't even research to see what the fuck you're supposed to be doing. People get a job. It takes a good two, three months to figure out what the job is, what you actually got hired for, even though you went through this whole process where they want to figure out who you are. Three months to figure out who the fuck they are and what you're going to be doing is like, all right, I've been here for three months. I see this thing going nowhere. I'm out. That's why you're losing people. That's why people are quitting because you're, you're not being upfront about what the fuck we supposed to be doing. You ever seen that meme? <coughs> that first three months, six months, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. And then after that, these people don't know what the fuck they're doing. <laughs> so, um, I get the job and it ain't all basically they 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 puffed up this this description to say what you're gonna be doing, but all you essentially was all essentially you are is a do boy for someone else. They they in the morning put gas in their truck, get them water. Get their cones, get this, get that, get this. That's all it was. Like you're you're their do boy. Whatever they don't want to do, you do. And at the same time, they be like, well, you're learning how to do the job. They 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 got an in-house school where they're teaching you all about water. It's an entry-level job where you basically at the bottom of the totem pole, totem totem pole, you get run around, you're a do boy, you're gonna do that for a year, and after you spent like matter of fact, it wasn't even a year. After you spent six months, you can decide to go to another department. But you're just gonna be a do boy for six months. Which because I saw the long-term vision and I already worked my way up from an installer. To a network operations tech I saw the long term vision And I saw what it could turn to So I was like oh, I don't like how I was lied to But I, I I can work with this Two weeks in They tell me to come to the office For a review and I'm like How do you get a review in two weeks I've only been here for two weeks And a review The guy who's the manager Over my department Says that the other super that there are supervisors there that are telling him that I look like I don't want to be there and I'm walking slow and I don't know what's going on. And I'm like, dude, I don't know any of you. I, I If I'm walking slow, it's because I'm walking behind someone to see where they're going and I don't know what's going on. And he said that one guy told him, like the guy, and I knew what he was talking about because one day we pulled up at a water break and I had been sitting in the vehicle for so long in a passenger seat because that's essentially what I fucking did with one of the guys just driving around all day doing nothing. I had been sitting down for so long by the time I got out the truck, my ankle was hurting. So when I started walking, I was kind of limping and walking slow because I, every time I would put pressure on my ankle, it was hurting. So when I got there, the guy said, hey man, why are you walking so slow? But he said it like, he was just ribbing me. And I said, you know, my ankle hurt. He was like, oh man, I, I'm, I'm 10 years older than you and I'm walking faster than you. And I made a joke back to him, but I thought we was joking. This motherfucker, who, who, the funny thing about it is that I didn't even report to him in any form or fashion. He was in no way affiliated with me. This motherfucker went back to the, uh, the manager and told him that I had a bad attitude. 
not only did I had a bad attitude, did I hurt myself on the job and that he believed that I was going to try to gank the system for a uh, workman's comp. And like this motherfucker all that for one conversation that didn't even last for more than 10 seconds. I was like, dude, who, who the fuck is what's wrong with this guy? Come to find out he does that to every black dude. He black himself. But I come to find out from someone else who in my department. Yeah, he pull that shit on every black person that come in here for some fucking reason. So that was at that point I was like, yeah, I, I that just that 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 puts a bad for one. It's like who this motherfucker trying to stab me in the back and I don't even know him for two. You pulling me into for a fucking two week uh, review and I ain't really been doing nothing. And you already and you going to tell me to my face that you heard that I'm lazy and uninterested. Then fucking fire me. Then the nerve of you to pull me in your office two weeks and to tell me that I'm doing a bad job when I don't even know what the fucking job is. I was like, yeah, did that these are all bad red flags about me not fucking being here. I see why no one sticks in this department longer than six months, because that's the deal there. They got such a high turnover in that department because motherfuckers get so irritated within that first six months of being in that department, they skirt the fuck out the minute they can. Shit, there was somebody already in there trying to get the fuck out the department. The same one who told me about the dude was trying to get the fuck out the department. So like I, I started looking for another job <laughs> again. But once I, I had put in applications and I kind of calmed down and I had found out that dude's attitude, things started to cool down till I was like, you know what? I may have jumped the gun and looking for other jobs. I'll try to gut this out and get through it. Even though it was boring, even though it ain't what they said it was going to be, long-term wise, I can see what it can turn into. And all I got to do every now and then is deal with some assholes that I don't like. Ain't no big deal. Ain't like I got to deal with the asshole all day or anything like that. I, I can fucking do this. I get a call from one of the people I put the application in. Company I never heard of. So I look them up and the job says that they go into correctional institutes and do telecommunications work. I was like, that seemed interesting. I read it up. I said, I'll, I'll go to the interview to see what they saying. And because I'm such a good interviewer because I've, I've done it so many times, I killed the interview. And then she said, well, I'm going to have you. No, she asked me how much. I was uh, seeking to get. So because I was already comfortable with what I was doing and I felt like, I kind of felt like I was, I was just, they weren't going to give me this job. I was a minority uh, interview because I've, I've dealt with that before and that's just irritating. I just gave her a high ass wild number. And she's like, okay. Took it like, yeah, you and I felt like she took it like, oh, yeah, I'm not giving you the job. So I just went about my day. A couple days later, she calls me and says, I'm going to have you meet with the regional manager. So I meet with the regional manager, and the regional manager is like, uh, you know, trying to tell me about yourself, blah, blah, blah. She was like, I already. I looked at your experience and I already know you got the experience to do the job. I'm not worried about that. 
I just need you to t- I just need to tell you about what the job is. Straight up was like you go into prisons. These prisons got wild shit going on. You got to watch your back. This and that, that and this. But and you got to use your own vehicle, but we're going to pay you for every mile you drive. Basically was straight up and down about what the job is. It's like, damn, I like that. These motherfuckers like, you already got the job, but you got to know what this job is before you get it because, you know, it's some real shit. And then she was like, well, at the end of the view, she was like, I like you. I like your experience. You said you understand what's going on. I'm going to recommend you for hire. You got any questions? I asked her a few questions. She gave me a few answers. And then she was about to interview. Interview. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like you say you want to hire me, you're going to put me in for hire. How much uh, y'all 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 going to pay? She was like, like she was like, oh, that ain't got nothing to do with me. That that they got everything to do with the recruiter. The recruiter decides that. And then I'm thinking like that wild number that I gave her. I was like, yeah, she 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 not gonna give me that wild number. She she gonna call me and say it's gonna be this or that. She called me and she she gave me the number I gave her. She was like, I'm gonna hire you on at, at this. And I was like, she was like, is, is that okay? I was like, she said it like almost like it was too little. I was like, yeah, that 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 sounds all right. <laughs> so uh, I left the water company and now I work for this company in which uh, I do telecommunications work uh, for prisons and correctional institutes and stuff like that and the wild thing about it is that in one of the interviews they, they told me like in instance, certain instances the correctional officers will be there but Every now and then they'll walk away from you. So don't think that you always going to have somebody there to watch your back. And I was like, you know, I could tolerate, you know, being in that situation for a few moments while they ain't around. Ain't no big deal. Come to find out, nah, man, they bounce. Like they got way more important shit to do. They, they, they low on staff. Like, nah, you ain't a priority, buddy. <laughs> My motherfuckers will straight lock you in the dorm, like handle your business. When you need something, come knock on this door. So you gotta be comfortable. I gotta accept the fact that I'm in a situation where some shit could pop off. Hey, and if it go high, it's gonna go. It's gonna go high, it's gonna go. But they paying me, man. They paying me, man. <laughs> and I was thinking about it like growing up in the hood, I grew up in the same environment. But they got guns on the street. And at the same time, I ain't getting paid to live. This is, is, hey man, I go in these dorms and the the hardest, maybe the uh, the most stressful thing, if there's stress or anxiety to be be mentioned, is that when I do a preventative maintenance, I gotta go from dorm to dorm to dorm. And that in those moments you walk in the yard all by yourself. And when you go to dorms, it's like you might have two wings and you got one officer. Like I said, in some places, I ain't a priority. Some places, they escort me. Like if you go to a county lock uh, detention center, they escort you from place to place. 
uh, I have I have one place that I go with a warden, warden either come with me or he'll have a guard. Like I went to that place today and they were so busy, I had to go one place. And the lady up front who's a CO was like, so what, you, you wanna go? Do you want a radio? Do you want a, 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 a victim alert? I'm like, what? She's like, yeah, like it ain't gonna do nothing. But like if some somebody do something to you, it'll let off a loud noise. I was like, nah. I'd rather walk around and have that danger than walk around and look like a pussy. Like I'm not gonna put that talk on my back. It's like if it's gonna happen, it's gonna happen. But they paying me though. <laughs> they paying me. So right now, I, I kind of it's not. I don't. I, there ain't no rush. I got multiple locations that I go to. No one riding me. Like, sometimes I'm driving and like, I can't believe I get paid to do this shit until I pull up to the facility. And I go in the facility. It's like, I know why I'm getting paid to do this shit. But for the most part, the realization is that the inmates run the prison, man. It's like, you ever heard someone says like, the inmates run the asylum? No, the inmates run the asylum, man. The inmates run the prison. Because there ain't enough officers there to uh, hold shit down. The inmates let the officers live. I mean, you might get one or two that they can handle. Everyone, most people are trying to do their time. You know, they made mistakes. They are right people. You know, everybody trying to hold themselves down. You know, shit can pop off, but shit can pop off. But it ain't like, you know, anybody stopping shit from, ha from happening. You know, I, I, I think one of the jails I mean the uh, prisons when I got there I was walking to the first dorm to do my preventative maintenance in the dorm and a cat got stabbed in the, in the uh, lunchroom <laughs> like I'm walking to the dorm and I see like eight COs all like doing some army march run and it's like everybody get in the dorm you get in the dorm kind of like that somebody do got stabbed like but that that and they talk about it like it ain't nothing like the you know the seals got a everybody there got an attitude like shit could pop off at any moment which is crazy because when i go there i gotta walk the yard by myself so i can't be in the mindset that they in like they got backup they be here every day when i when i walk out there i gotta be a customer advocate I gotta develop uh, relationships. I gotta wash my own back. I can't move like how they move. So it's like it's, it's weird to have that energy that everyone else has the energy like they on point, they on, they ready to go. But when I hit that yard, I gotta be relaxed. When I'm in that dorm and I'm getting like ten inmates around me asking questions, I gotta be relaxed. I can't be showing no fear. I can't be showing like I got a problem talking to them. I'm relaxed. And I just go back to what it was like growing up. It's the same thing growing up as growing up in the hood. The only difference is they got guns out on the street, man. That's the way I look at it. I mean, it's this eye job. They're me, man. <laughs> All right, y'all.